Nocturne Hall presents an original audio drama intended only for an adult audience. Devils walk among us, some just a mile north of the White House. Whether conjured or elected, they prey on the innocent all the same. Most won't even listen, so folks knock on the one door in the district of crime who will. DuPont Investigations. I never thought my heart would bend. You taught me how to love again. It's you and me until the end. Oh, we'll paint this whole town red. Just the devils are the devils of DuPont. Just the devils. The devils of DuPont. This is the Scourge from Carthage, part two. I've only changed on me. You're welcome to it. Relax, Buster. We're not after your money. Keep your hands up while my friend here frisks you. You're pretty calm for somebody wearing a bullseye. You're not the first to pull a gun on me. I'm unarmed, I assure you. We haven't the luxury of trust. Trust dies, mistrust blossoms. Sophocles, cute. He's clean. So, you're a fan of the classics. Are you here to check out one from Philip's collection? I'd offer you a drink, but I think we're in a dry room. I'm confident you are. Philip never drinks. So you knew Philip? Of course he knows Philip. How do you think you got the key? Who are you, gentlemen? Friends of the family. Oh. So why are you here? It's late. It can't be to pick up a book. I hadn't heard from Philip. Have you? I'm worried about him. There are telephones for worries. I've called. I've called. Believe me, I've tried. You'd think the damn thing's been disconnected. Never mind, operator. Works fine. I've been trying for two days without a response. That tracks. Why? What's happened? Philip had an accident early Wednesday morning. Is he all right? He's dead. No. We're the private dicks on the case. So tell us, Mr. Evans. Tell us, Mr. Evans, where were you on Tuesday night? This can't be true. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid it is. Tuesday night, you, where? Tuesday, uh... Let's see, I caught a late showing at the Metropolitan. What played? Miss Dietrich starred in Desire. What kind of accident? He died at a private residence in Colorado adjacent to the Spanish Steps. It seems he fell from a height sufficient enough to knock him out. And he never regained consciousness. We're still awaiting the medical examiner's report. Judge Krause, who sits on the municipal court, owns the residence. Would Philip have any business there? With a judge? I hope not. When was the last time you saw Philip? Monday. Where? I stopped by here to check on him. How was he? His state of mind. Was he in good spirits? Uh, I'm not sure. He was quiet, I suppose. He's usually more talkative. I went home before 9.30. Where's home? I live near Eastern Market. What's all this got to do with Philip? 
You don't think I had anything to do with it? We're all. investigating all angles. But isn't that a job for the police? If you're steeples, it ain't. My associate here means any official inquiry is liable to bring unwanted attention to the matter. A man like Philip Steeples dies two days ago. I'd think the whole town would have read about it by now. There's a small article about an accident involving young Philip Stapes of Troy, North Carolina. That typo cost a small fortune. I bet it did. Do you mind if I sit? I'm feeling... Of course. Have a seat on the bed if you'd like. I can't believe he's gone. You can still see his face, those curious blue eyes. You two must have been close to Waltzen here unannounced. Why, you didn't even knock. Philip didn't like to be disturbed. He's always working on his manuscript. What manuscript? The manuscript. Speaking of which, where is it? Be my guest, have a look around. We'd need an atlas to navigate this heap. Did they find an old folio? This judge's house? Sometimes he traveled with it. It would have been crammed full of loose-typed pages. No. Although, I'll call the detective working the case and tell him to keep an eye out for it. Strange. He never would leave it anywhere, but here, of course. What kind of book was it? I never was allowed to see much of it. Only in pieces, but the literature covering the floor is the best explanation I can offer. Most of this is pretty radical. Not your average classics collection. Have you ever read any of this stuff? I've read my fair share. There were some exciting ideas, but the threads spin out in too many directions for my liking. Of course, they were Philip's obsession. I knew Philip from back home. I recall he wasn't much of a student. Men change. Not knowing anything is the sweetest life. Sophocles again. Oh, Mr. Evans. Calder, please. C.E. Interesting. It just so happens we ran across a small leather monogrammed notebook with those same initials. Oh, thank heavens. Where did you find it? Philip had it hidden in his desk. A false bottom drawer. I suppose I failed to examine the drawer closely enough to tell it was false. You gentlemen have my thanks. How long have you been searching for your journal? Seems Philip took extra effort to keep it away from prying eyes. Its contents are private and very dear to me. I must insist you return it at once. Not so fast, pal. It's evidence. He's right. We do our best to maintain a chain of custody if the police open an official inquiry. We can't let you have it just yet. But it hasn't anything to do with all this. Then why'd Philip have it, and not you? It's my journal. From the war. You didn't answer Mr. Summersby's question. Philip was insistent on reading it. He wouldn't let it drop after I told him a few of my old war stories. He wanted to review the raw details himself. I promise it's of no evidentiary value. We'll take excellent care of it. We promise. Please, you don't understand. We have an important appointment to keep this evening. Leave us your address and telephone number and we'll return your journal as soon as possible. I don't appear to have any choice in the matter. <sighs> Whatever you do, please be careful with it. Its value to me is beyond measure. Leave us your key and be on your way before we change our minds and telephone the sergeant. I assume you're keen to avoid a night at the station explaining your version of breaking into a dead man's room. Fine. Here's my key. Good night, sir. We'll be in touch. And don't even think about skipping town. Not while you have my journal. I assure you. What did Alice say? Curiouser and curiouser. Strange fella. Who doesn't knock before entering someone's room? Someone quite familiar, if you ask me. We should head over to the Mayflower and see if Sis has any answers. Does that mean I've got you as my partner? 
I don't come cheap, kid. No, I didn't expect so. I'll give you 40% of the- Even split, and you got yourself a deal. But what if you don't get paid? 20 a day. 30, plus expenses. This ain't just any old cesspool. It's our nation's capital. Sold. But call me kid again, and I'll knock you flat. You could try it. My dear Nigel, do come in. It's so lovely to see a familiar face at a time like this. And I see you brought a friend. Mrs. Barr, this is Mr. Torsten Summersby. He's a local private investigator. Oh, Philip. I still can't believe he's gone. I haven't been able to cry yet. I must still be in shock. Nice to meet you, ma'am. How do you do, Mr. Summersby? Now, y'all make yourselves at home. This is my husband, Hugh. But he's going straight down to the bar. So, nope, don't bother with handshakes, gentlemen. Let him be. Some things a woman needs to handle herself. Oh, thank heavens he's gone. I love him dearly, but that man gets so heated about this affair. I thought he would get himself arrested arguing with a policeman earlier. Please, come sit down. Can I offer y'all some champagne? I'm fine. If the lady's offering, please let me serve. Would you care for some, ma'am? Well, yes, thank you. What a well-mannered friend you found, Nigel. However, it must be bad news if you thought Philip's case was beyond your expertise. I won't sugarcoat it. Philip took a strange turn since his arrival here in Washington. His room at the Cairo is filled to the brim with odd books about mysticism and all manner of malarkey. Our apologies if you share any of his beliefs. Certainly not. Oh, I've been to the odd seance or two. Manhattan's a strange town, you know. But beyond passing fancy, I've never paid much attention to spirits I couldn't drink. Do you know why your brother came to Washington? He wanted to get lost, I imagine. It's far enough from home, but not as overwhelming as Manhattan. And after all, here you can still order a proper mint julep. Did he announce he was leaving? Oh no, he hitched a ride to Richmond from some joker and then took the train. He called the house from Union Station, said he needed a change of scenery. Ma'am, how was he before he left home? What condition was he in? His wounds from his injuries had healed, but the fear of pain was still prevalent. My observations were limited to brief visits home. Still, I, I recall the Christmas of 34. He seemed numb on something the entire time. I I'd never seen him so listless. Did your folks try to intervene? Of course. I imagine those lectures drove Philip away. But as a younger man, Pa struggled with the drink, so he had too much sympathy at first. And Ma, well, a mother always indulges her boy far too much for his own good. We were so delighted to have Philip still with us after his accident that we took him how he was, until it became too much. When was that? Last May, we dismissed one of the staff after catching them smuggling Philip's morphine tablets. I take it that didn't go over too well with Philip. I wasn't there, but heard a blowout ensued between him and our parents. He left two days later. Ma'am, did Philip ever mention a Mr. Calder Evans? Calder? Why, yes. It seemed the two were inseparable. Philip took him in as a charity case. He's a veteran of the war, so he has my respect. But it seemed he struggled like many men after his service ended. Struggled how? He'd had a few jobs without much success. Last I heard, he tried to make ends meet as a sign painter. How'd Philip make Mr. Evans' acquaintance? It was June of last year, and they met at some spooky society meeting. My impression is Calder remained a skeptic. But not Philip. No. Something about his near-death experience left him searching for answers. 
That part made sense to me. You know, Philip was always obsessive about his endeavors. When he took an interest in something, he devoted himself to it completely. Sure, I remember when he got into horses. We visited every stable within 50 miles of Zegma, cataloging every Connick and Clydesdale. You mentioned Philip acting charitable toward Mr. Evans. At first, I gathered they were drinking through town together on Philip's allowance. But further on, I gathered his patronage was more substantial. I'm surprised he was in any position to offer charity, or rather that your father still extended Philip an allowance. Come on, y'all. They couldn't let Philip starve. In their minds, this was all just temporary. He needed to sow his wild oats and all that. Postel envisioned he'd run the company one day. Blissful aspiration, if you ask me. Why? You didn't consider Philip capable? Once, but not now. You've been to his place. Every time we spoke, I could tell his entrancement with supernaturalism was too powerful for the real world to ever catch up again. You ever visited him here? No. We made several attempts to coax him to New York, and many more to lure him back to Zegma last winter for the holidays. But as soon as he confirmed travel arrangements, excuses preventing his arrival emerged on cue. I hate to ask, under the circumstances, but with your brother's passing, who is slated to run your father's company? Ha! I like a practical mind, Mr. Summersby. If you must know, my dear Hugh would be the heir apparent. Of course, behind every powerful man is his wife. You don't sound surprised, ma'am. I'm the only one who seems to have given up on Philip taking the reins long ago. Still, I didn't foresee his sudden demise as the impetus for a shift in succession. This Evans fellow spoke about Philip writing some kind of book. Have you heard about it? He often spoke of studying and taking notes, but nothing so organized as a treatise. Seems it's gone missing. We ran into Mr. Evans a short while ago at Philip's place. He claimed he was after his journal, but inquired about Philip's manuscript's whereabouts. So he didn't know about Philip's fall? He didn't seem to, but the timing was odd. He had a key to your brother's room and didn't knock. As I said, the two were inseparable. I don't wish to speculate on such a delicate topic as the extent of their relationship. You're being modest. Perhaps, but we are in mixed company. She knows that back in high school, I used to have a key to Philip's room. I take it you two were also inseparable? That was a long time ago. Let's stick to the case at hand, shall we? Regardless of the past, I told Pa you're the only one we could trust to handle this matter, and I still believe it. Thanks, Lila. That means a lot. I cared very much for Philip. I'm damn sore about his passing. I know. I wish we'd staged an intervention much sooner, before it was too late. Speaking of late, Lila, we should let you get some rest. I'm sure Mr. Summersby and I could stay up late and regale each other with stories until they refuse to deliver more champagne. Ma'am, your stories are so illuminating. I'd stay even after the drinks run dry. Ah, he's right, though. We have much to attend to tomorrow. What about the Cairo? Philip's paid up through the end of the month, so no rush there. Good. I think the press is on to us, though. We haven't long before the story breaks. I'll have someone go over there and tidy up the place before some photographer weasels his way inside. The last thing we want is for the papers to know about Philip's eccentricities. If nothing else, it's bad for business. Right. We best be going then. I'm in 302 if you need anything. I can't believe we're here for such a sad occasion. But seeing you again brings some comfort. 
Glad to be of service. Good night, ma'am. Oh, you're off as well. Uh, we'll have to save those stories for another night. I need to confer with my partner here on a few items for tomorrow. We haven't any time to lose. Toodles, gentlemen. What an enlightening evening. Save it to her in the lobby. Care for a drink? Lila's husband, Hugh, is there. Good call. Can't dish with him around. Do you suppose Mrs. Barn knows of the lounger's reputation to which she just sent her husband? I can't say, but Hugh's more apt to warm the bed of some floozy than pick up a man. Like how you and Philip used to get along. It's not like that, so don't get too excited. How was it then? Just kid stuff. As I said, it was a long time ago. Mrs. Barr seems more interested in protecting Philip's reputation than in solving this thing. I think she gave up on him a while ago. Can't blame her, I suppose. I'm starting to feel bad for Philip, and I never knew him. All this commotion to clean up his tracks, but little effort to get him the help he needed. I'll be blue all night if you keep talking like that. You're right. I hope you don't think your history with Philip makes me think any less of you. That's kind of you to say, but... No buts. We're square, you and me. I knew brave men who fought in French trenches, so each of us has the freedom to be ourselves. I wonder if you're just saying that now that you know. <laughs> you were made the moment you walked into my office. Wednesday must have been a doozy. I spotted you at that basement dive, Lodi's, on 17th and K. You were there as that big cow belted out tunes? Sure was. You and I aren't as different as you might think. <laughs> curiouser and curiouser. Don't worry, you're not my type. Well, now I'm intrigued about who is. Come on, there's a little joint around the corner. Alright, just one drink though. I'm beat. You went to school with Philip? I was two years ahead of him. And Lila caught you sneaking into his room at night? Can't be. We were always overly cautious, so Philip must have told her. Were you around when he had his automobile accident? No, I was traveling. Zegma Insurance hired me first as a salesman, but a few of my early claimants filed bogus claims. I helped the investigators debunk them, so they recruited me to join their ranks. I gather you and Philip didn't see much of each other after graduation. We lived in different worlds. I needed to work while he could just live off daddy's dime. Until his social life came to a screeching halt. I should have been around more after his accident, but his folks didn't welcome any visitors. I suppose now I understand they might have been trying to hide his addiction. But enough about me. How'd you get your start in the business? Ooh, long story there, and I thought we were just staying for the one drink. Come on, spill it. Well, I grew up in Oklahoma, outside Bartlesville. One day, some big shot buys a massive chunk of land down the road from us. He's got a hand in petroleum production, sunflower seeds, rock quarries, you name it. Before long, my folks start working odd jobs for him. 
I'd heard a rumor the magnate owned a shrunken head. So when I was supposed to be helping my father, as boys do, I snuck off and weaseled my way inside a vast private collection with neat trinkets from all corners of the globe. The spectacle captured my attention so much, I neglected to notice the magnate standing behind me. Busted. Yeah, but instead of giving me the boot, he told me I was an extraordinary boy to risk my father's wrath for a peek at his treasures. He offered to take me under his wing as a mentor, if I promised never to share his secrets with anyone. I assume you agreed to his terms. Of course, what an offer. My folks were skeptical about spending so much time in his odd library, but they thought I might gain some valuable lessons in business. And did you? Sure. I watched the magnate negotiate drilling rights from the local Osage tribe. However, I soon discovered his success couldn't be attributed to his natural charm or business acumen alone. What do you mean? The magnate's luck never ran dry. He knew precisely when to bet the farm or batten down the hatches. He could predict an industrial strike or natural calamity better than an old sailor forecasting the tide. So what was his secret? After all this time, I still don't know. He's spoken riddles around the subject, but invited me to explore his occult text to glean an answer. Still, I never cracked the code. So that's how you got your start in all this baloney. The magnate's collection awakened me to a world of mystery and intrigue beyond what money can buy. My old man grew cross at me at some point. He wanted me to pull my head out of the magnate's private collection and get a serious job. Instead, I blew all my savings on a train ticket to New York and a one-way sail across the pond. Why abroad? I suppose I was searching for answers I didn't think I'd unearthed stateside. Did you find any? More than I bargained for. I became an apprentice to several screwy characters, some of whose works Philip might have collected as part of his oddball hoard. We chased down every serpent inspector from Belgravia to Belgrade. How'd you end up in Washington? Oh, the same old trap. I met someone I liked. Followed him here. Must have been a real looker. Oh, sure. He just neglected to tell me about his wife. Ouch. Don't for a minute believe this rotten town grew on me. I was flat broke, so I hung out my shingle to survive. Figured if I could earn enough coin investigating oddities in Europe, why not look into some of the jackals feasting on Congress? Not the typical trajectory of a P.I. I've heard. I ain't your typical P.I. When I discovered you, it seemed you were just about to give up. I still am. But then you came along with your strange tale, and here we are. It's late. Shall we get out of here? Sure. What time should we meet tomorrow? It all depends on what lead we're chasing down. We've got that date with the Theosophist, but that's not until late. I'd like to know more about this Evans character. Sounds like I have his war journal. I'll dive into it straight away. Perhaps it'll be some good bedtime reading. From the war? No, it's apt to give me nightmares. Still, if Philip was interested in it, something might be there. I can't agree with you more. And he was cagey about it. Yeah, I'd get some rest. Shall we meet in my office at, say, 10? I'll call you. I'm hoping we can get the medical examiner's report by tomorrow morning. We should anticipate the coroner opening an inquest. Anything's possible. Night, Nige. Night, Torsten. And Torsten? Yeah? Thanks.
You'll never need to thank me, Nige. Just pay my bills when they're due. Yeah. Sorry to call so early. What time is it? Quarter past three. I just had the strangest dream. Let me guess, there was a peculiar gal wrapped in rags? How did you know? But you couldn't understand her. Okay, this is starting to get cuckoo. Are you playing some kind of trick on me? No tricks. I just finished reading an illuminating entry in Calder's journal when my lamplight extinguished. I got up to fix it and heard my bedroom door creak. Then it did something it's never done before. Slowly shut itself. Sorry, what? You're not making any sense. You all right? I'm fine. Sure. Sorry to bother you then. It was just... a feeling. Odd about your dream though. Better let you get back to sleep. Your door shut on its own? It could have been a draft. Sure. What'd you think it was? Best I not answer that if you ever want to get back to sleep. DuPont Investigations is written by Mark Benjamin Langston and directed, edited, and sound designed by Bryce Bowen. Keep your ears in the 1930s by becoming a DuPont investigator. Access our private Discord server, The Inside Scoop, or explore Torsten Summersby's recovered case file by visiting nocturnehall.com investigator. DuPont Investigations, The Scourge from Carthage, Part 2, features Joshua Hall as Calder Evans, Mark Benjamin Langston as Torsten Summersby, Jacob Lohman as Nigel Clemens, and Ruth Brown as Lila Barr. The original theme song, Devils of DuPont, written and performed by Bryce Bowen, is available wherever you stream music. For individuals and families facing mental health or substance use disorders in the United States, listeners can call the free confidential national helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-H-E-L-P.